0: I'm telling you, I'm going to be the worst person you've ever interviewed.
1: No, that's not possible. Candace, what's the hardest part about being you? What's a talent you have that most people don't know?
0: Packing light.
1: What are you really bad at? Math. Who would you like to trade jobs with for a week? My sister. What's the funniest thing you've ever read about yourself on the internet?
0: That I look like a frog. Favorite color? Pink. Favorite food? Which I know is pho, but like I also say croissant, not croissant. Favorite place to visit? Cape Town. Favorite book? Oh. Right now, Super Nanny. What is your spirit animal? I don't really understand that because, like, I'm not an animal. People say I'm their spirit animal, so the whole thing is very confusing to me. I don't know. A poodle!
1: Nice. Who has made you the most starstruck?
0: Oh, when I was bartending, when I first moved here. Paul Rubin, Pee Wee Herman, I like about died when he walked up to the bar.
1: What have you learned about yourself from being in business?
0: That I'm tougher than I give myself credit for.
1: What's the best thing about being Mrs. Casey Neistat?
0: When people are nice to me, it's nice. What's the worst thing? Uh, Just hectic all the time. I'm just exhausted being near it. What is your definition of the perfect day? Sleeping in, faux lunch, more sleeping, cuddling with my baby, Netflix, Chinese food and more sleep. What
1: makes you mad?
0: Everyone. What was your first job? First job on the books was gift wrapping at Williams-Sonoma for Christmas. If you could live in any era, what would it be? The 70s,
1: California Beach. If you could take lessons from any expert, what would you learn and from whom?
0: Okay, so there's this guy I'm obsessed with, Mark Limones. And sometimes I tell the girls at work for me they, they should watch his show just as like a little. The, like, tutorial? You mean the prophet, Marcus? Yeah, the prophet, Marcus Limonis. Yeah. I love him. I want him to sit down with me and like, <laughs> tell me what I'm doing right and wrong.
1: How would you describe yourself in three words?
0: Moody, obsessive, funny.
1: What's the best advice you've ever been given?
0: What's the worst that can happen?
1: What's the worst advice?
0: Stick to your plan. What's your worst habit? I burp a lot, loud. What's your pet peeve? People chewing with their mouth open. How often are you wrong? <laughs> Every day. Whoops. Whoops is a word I use a lot.
1: <laughs> what game show would you like to be on most?
0: Survivor. I don't think I'd make it very far. What are you afraid of? Be honest. My parents dying.
1: Do you have a superpower?
0: Yes. No, maybe. Sometimes I dream things that actually happen. I just have to figure out how to realize that it's gonna happen before it happens instead of recognizing that it happened in a dream before it happened, so I can like use it for good.
1: When do you feel the most creative?
0: Okay, so I realize that when I get massages, the ideas for jewelry designs and things and plans come to me like, so I think I need to get more massages.
1: And finally, your best advice for entrepreneurs?
0: Everyone's gonna say you can't, but if you're a true entrepreneur, then you know when you have an idea, it's this fire that does not go away and you can't stop until you do something about it. And it's like this itch you have to scratch and the only way to scratch the itch is to do things. So if you're, that's the advice. If you don't have that itch, then you're not a real entrepreneur and I would say get a job. I'm Candace Poole-Neistat and you're watching Behind the Brand with Brian Elliott.
1: Hey, I'm Brian Elliott. Welcome to another edition of Behind the Brand. I'm here with the amazingly talented Candice Poole-Neistat. Candice, thanks for having us to your New York office. Hey. It's so fun to be here. Yay. (laughs) I usually ask my guests, how did you get this job?
0: Um, how did I get this job? I had a friend when I first moved to New York City and we both worked at a restaurant and um, I knew that I didn't want to work at a restaurant And I always, I didn't care what, I was young and I was wild and I was like, I'm going to be my own boss. I don't care what I do. And she wanted to be a jewelry designer. So I was like, let's do it. And I mean, I was so young and stupid. I didn't know that like, you don't, everybody told me after the fact, you shouldn't have just, you shouldn't have done that. But that's what we did. We moved into a studio apartment together and repaired jewelry for 20 bucks here and there. And, um, that was like I think the first turning point and then the biggest turning point came when five years later after we were already in Barney's and nominated for CFDA Design Awards and like kind of a well-known brand, she came to me and said I don't wanna do it anymore. And I was like, well, what do I do now? And I had to decide whether to fold it, give up, or keep going. But for whatever reason I was like, well I don't really have a choice. Like. There is no folding so sayonara and it's mine now and that's when that's when things really changed <laughs> and like
1: and that was finn right uh let's go back just a little bit um for people who may be living in a cave and don't know you know sort of your history where you come from so you your parents you were born in south africa right mm-hmm. and then you moved out here to like the texas area mm-hmm. uh, walk us through what that looked like like when did you come out and why did you come out and
0: so I was a baby and my parents left because they didn't agree with apartheid and, um, Houston was a boom city because of oil and they had a shortage of medical workers. I don't know how into this you want to get, but like, it is kind of interesting because that they were recruiting doctors, just basically bringing them and their families over to Texas. So within the same like five years, there was this ghetto of like Jewish doctors and their families from South Africa, and a, All of my family friends growing up, like I had a South African accent until I actually went into school because all of my like aunties and uncles and family friends were South African. Um, So although I left at a young age, I very much grew up like it's the cultures. They couldn't escape it. Um, So that was Texas. So I have this like kind of exotic South African situation. But then I definitely have this suburban private school, Texas Went to UT Longhorns. Like my queso. Like my tacos. Like my beer. That kind of thing. I have cowboy boots. I have belt buckles. I have it all.
1: That's awesome. It's such an eclectic mix. It's fun. It's fun. Do you think um, you know part of your upbringing, culture, heritage, whatever, gets folded into your design presence? You know, your design ideas and whatnot.
0: Honestly, I don't think so.
1: Where do you think that comes from? Is it just something like where do you find inspiration?
0: I don't know and that's like, that's like such a hard question to answer because I don't know. If I could pinpoint it, I would teach it and I'd, then everybody could find inspiration that way. Yeah. I have no idea. Like a, a lot of it is just liking the material and liking the medium. So I love gold. I love diamonds. I love jewelry. I love it and it, there are girls who love jewelry. And the girls that don't really care. Like, it's just something they own, an accessory. When you love jewelry, it's like you could pour over a junk box full of jewels and just pour over it and how it's set and the colors and the feel and when was it made. And then you become a connoisseur of the stones and the patinas. And it's an obsession. It's why, like, people who do film and cameras and stuff, they know their materials and they love it. And that's, I think, what it is with me and jewelry. It's just a different material
1: yeah uh, you know a lot of people who watch this they're entrepreneurs and they're I think they struggle or maybe they always ask the same kind of question is like whether I have writer's block or it's some sort of creative block how do I stay creative you know and I always think about this I ask really creative people how they stay creative whether it's you know if they do research or if they travel or if they're they find their inspiration in you know nature or whatever
0: you have to okay that's what I wasn't joking when I said massages because I think that when you're looking at something for too long and you're feeling stuck, you have to remove yourself from it. And whether that's a vacation, good for you if you can afford to take the time off, or a walk around the block, or I'm gonna go to a movie today and not go into the office because everything I look at reminds me of the deadline I have. Or you get a massage where you get to listen to like raindrop music and harps and some strangers rubbing your back and you're forced to think of something you're forced to just like let go. And that's when it all comes rushing in.
1: Yeah. That's really good advice. So, I mean, what I hear you saying is you sometimes need to hit reset or you need to walk away and not be so like all in your business all the time. You've got to kind of come outside and then come back. You're a you're a mom now. Um and I think a lot of people who watch this are also moms and they're looking at you and people like you who are doing it all. Um, talk about that how have you made that transition how are you how are you dealing with that how how are you making that work you know being full-time successful businesswoman mom whatnot
0: it's really hard I don't I really don't know who I feel worse for because on the weekends I have the I get the full-time stay-at-home mom situation especially because Casey travels a lot so I'm by myself with the baby And then during the week, I get to experience a working mom. And like, neither of them are totally awesome. So I don't know. I don't know. Like I have friends who have three kids and stay at home with the kids all day. And like, to me, that sounds just like the most stressful nightmare ever. But then I also, so this is what it is. I feel like instead of getting the best of both worlds, I'm like 50% as good at running a business as I was before I was a mom, and I'm probably 50% as good at being a mom as someone who isn't working, you know what I mean? So I'm like, it's like being bicoastal, like you don't really get the best of both words, you get like half of LA and half of New York.
1: Yeah, so do you feel like spread too thin most of the
0: time? Spread too thin, because I, I get home and all I wanna do is just chill, and I can't, cause I gotta put the kid to sleep, which is like now an hour long process, cause she's, No, she knows how to manipulate and like then I have a husband that I have to pay attention to and like what how how was your day and let's talk about your work and do you want to eat our takeout together or separately tonight like it's just I'm exhausted all the time and I have help too like I don't know how people do it and I only have one
1: yeah well you know they say one three whatever it's still a hundred percent of your time right right and so it's just cutting the pie maybe let's do a little bit of forward thinking, like how important to you is what you're doing right now, like, you know, the modeling aspect. So Francine's watching you probably like, you know, as you know, you're a female, she's a female. How important is that modeling? Like you've got a business, I want her to see me working or I want her to see me independent or I want her to see her to see me, you know, Crushing it, kick you know kick
0: Yeah, I mean, there's definitely things that I, I would like for her to learn from from me. Um, like what? I think independence and financial independence, I don't ever want her to think that she need that I need my husband for anything other than just being my partner. Um, and why is that important to you? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it's something we argue about all the time because he's like, why won't you let me spoil you? And I'm like, I don't know. Just doesn't, it's not in my DNA, I don't like it. I want, I want to earn my own money and like, I don't know what it is. I don't know where it comes from. My mother doesn't, my mother doesn't work. She's, she's fully supported by my father. Um, I don't know what it is. Do
1: you think it might be, um, how are you at being vulnerable? Like, do you
0: oh, like terrible. Being- Terrible. Do
1: you think it might be vulnerability? Um, yeah,
0: probably. I mean, now we're getting into like psychology stuff, but um, yeah. But I think that it's it's okay. I don't. I, I don't know. So that I want her to see, and then I also want her to see me complete a project from start to finish when she's older. Like I think that's really important to know that there's more than just the little everyday things that that there's like long-term things you need to work towards and to see things through from start to finish and um, So those things are good, but I will say that I do have a guilty feeling because I Also, don't want her to think that I'm the mom that's never around so When she gets as she ages, I'm gonna have to figure out a way to Be there for her ballet classes and be there to pick her up from school and stuff right now. It's fine, but I, I, I certainly think that's important too.
1: Let's go back and explore that vulnerability. too. I mean, just because I struggle with it, too, to be honest. Um, uh, Can I tell you a quick story? Sure. So I'm adopted. um, And I was on this 30-year search for my birth parents. And finally, just a few years ago, I found my mom. um, And when I found her, she did not want to be found. Mm. I was not expecting that. And it was like a sucker punch to the gut. Like, I was... I was depressed actually I was first sad and then I was really bummed out like I can't believe this is happening like how you know almost like how dare you almost like how could you Mm -hmm. you know you're a mom you can understand like and I'm a dad I cannot even get my head around like rejecting your child your flesh and blood Um, and I just didn't know I didn't know anything all I knew is that she didn't want to have anything to do with me and um, so I was sad for a while and as a result, I think I started to put up really high walls. Like, I, I wore my heart on my sleeve, and she just trampled it. Mm-hmm. I crushed it. And so I wasn't really aware of it, but my friends were telling me, like, "Hey, you know, something's not right. Like, you know, you're you're less happy. You're not as happy as you usually are, and and like you're kind of more guarded. And and it's true. I was. Um, I didn't want to be vulnerable because it hurt too much. Mm-hmm. Um, Couple of years later, uh, after more research, I found my dad. And my dad was actually super open. He was, um, you know, he's this really liberal guy, um, l- literally lived on Haight-Ashbury, he was a hippie, you know, did every drug you can think of, played guitar, lived in the caves in the wine business, really awesome guy. And he told me the whole context. He told me that, that uh, he and my mom were very much in love, but they were only 17 years old and that, um, it was just not meant to be, and so they decided to part ways. And that she was pregnant the whole time, living at home, and her parents had no idea. Mm-hmm. And um, and so they literally found out the day I was born that she was pregnant. Mm-hmm. And so I started kind of piecing it together, like, oh, she still feels maybe guilt or shame, mm-hmm. or maybe something that she's still carrying with her. Um, he told me, you know, all these other things that really helped me. Anyway, work through the whole thing. Um, I've since read a couple of great books that have also helped me kind of flesh out this vulnerability issue. Um, One of my favorite authors is Brené Brown. Mm -hmm. Do you know Brené? So Brené is this psychology uh, person. She's actually out of Texas. She has this amazing TED Talk that's been viewed like gazillion times. And she says that the depth that we're willing to be vulnerable is the true measure of our courage So the depth that we're willing to be vulnerable is the true measure of our courage. And that just nailed me, like just totally nailed me. Like it was like an indictment, like, okay, so I'm a chicken, (laughs) you know? Um, And it really helped me uh, start to be more comfortable, although I'm totally not there. But like, I wonder if some of those feelings that you have, uh, besides being tough and independent and awesome, um, have something to do with, you know, Wanting to avoid pain or hurt and all that, you know?
0: Absolutely. In an even more like obvious way, it's that I don't, yeah, I don't, I think, I feel like you're, you're putting yourself in a vulnerable position when you're having somebody take care of you. I don't want to be, I don't want ever to have to feel like, well, I owe somebody something.
1: Let's move towards uh, you and Casey. Um, So talk to me about your life on camera or, you know, as a willing or unwilling participant, what's that like?
0: I'm unwilling. Um, I don't know. I mean, what do you want to know?
1: I mean, do you prefer not to be or you're like... A yeah, I life? prefer
0: not to be. Yeah,
1: I'm in the frame. You know, I'm not smiling. I don't want to be here.
0: I'm not into it. Yeah. Um, I mean, when I know I'm in an episode, of course, it's human nature to go and wa- watch it and see what I looked like, and is that how I talk, and was it, was it funny? I remember I said something, was that funny? Did he edit it properly, like, and then to read the comments, but then I stop, because, I mm, I mean, the emails, I mean, I told you, like, this is, like, difficult for me, that's how I, I mean, I knew a long time ago I could never be an actress, because I don't like it's a complete insecurity. Like I don't like how I sound or like how I look. I don't like, I don't know if I'm doing things the right way or uh, yeah, it's just not. The only thing I like about it is having a record of like our lives, but then I hate that it's, so does everybody. So it's, it's hard. I mean, it's definitely been like um, a big issue for us. But then it's like, what do you do when you love someone and something makes them so happy? You know?
1: So you've been able to find some compromise?
0: We've been able to find some compromise.
1: <laughs> and yet you're also at least internet famous for not giving a rip about anything. That's what I love about you. Is well, like, that's,
0: the, that's the irony, isn't it? Is that like, I really don't care, but then the reaction is like, people react to it. And, um, I've become this like unwitting figure and that's where Billy came from. What happened was, you know, my business partner left me. Um, I had to figure out how to run this business by myself. Um, and she was the designer. I was not. So although I had input and ideas, all of a sudden I was the one that had to design jewelry. It was terrifying. I mean, absolutely terrifying. I had no idea what I was doing. Um... And then things felt a little funny, you know, like this doesn't feel like this this aesthetic of Finn with the girliness and the pink and the, it wasn't me, it wasn't me. Um, I'm much more masculine. I'm much more like brute force with my humor and with my cursing and with my drinking and with my smoking a cigarette with my coffee, like, and it didn't it didn't, it was like this. Yeah. Now I could still design for Finn because it's it's my company and I, I understood the brand and I understood the design and I knew what to do, so I did it. But I was never connected. I never felt connected. In fact, um, even the name, like it wasn't, she had the name before we got together. She's like, I want to call it Finn. And I was like, okay, you know, whatever. Um, but then something happened when Casey started the vlog. Okay, so sorry. So before the vlog, I had, I I wanted to quit Finn. I wanted to quit. It wasn't me. Like, still super successful, like, profitable company, paid my employees, no debt, everything's great.
1: Were you gonna sell it?
0: I was considering what to do. Was I gonna sell it? Was I gonna, yeah, was I gonna cut myself out and just hire someone to do the design and like let it be its own thing. Why not? Ralph Lauren does that. Right. Like, so, but just not be a part of it anymore. Um, I considered maybe not working at all if I were to have a kid, which wasn't really an option. Um, so then I was like, what is me? Well, I, all those things I said, that's me. And so I wanted to start this brand where it had one necklace that you bought and it had one perfect cashmere sweater and had one perfect cashmere scarf and the one perfect tote and it was going to go from there and it was going to be only online and it was mine, no partners, nobody, it was my aesthetic and I could connect to it. Um, And the sweater was going to be, because it was the only sweater you wanted to buy, $400 and the necklace was going to be $3,200 and it was going to be a really high end the basics kind of brand. So I'm in the works and I developed the logo and I was talking with cashmere um, factories and I was talking with my jewelry factories about the necklace and then these kids started to comment on Finn. Love your jewelry, wish I could afford it. Candace, you're a badass, I look up to you. And all of a sudden I was like, what is going on? Yeah. And I had to feedback. talk, feedback. I had to talk about it and Casey's like, you're nuts if you sell $400 cashmere sweaters. He's like, you have this audience, and give them what they want. And I was like, yeah, but you know, I want to do really nice things. He's like, do nice things, but take it down a notch. Yeah. And so Finn, so Billy changed a little bit. The logo didn't change. The premise didn't change. It, but it's now because of Casey's vlog and because of this audience that he has and these girls that like are telling me. They're like asking me for something, basically. Who am I to deny (laughs) it? Yeah. Like, okay girl, I got you, I hear you. You want a necklace you can afford? I will make you a silver necklace. And there's still people who say it's too expensive, what can I do? And like, if you can't afford champagne, then you can't afford champagne. But, like, that's where Billy came from. So now there's this brand that's more me. And the the funny thing is that after I spent so much time developing this new version of Billy, I was able to go back to Finn and be like, okay, this is my first baby, and I do love it, and I'm good at it, I'm good at it, and I'm good at designing for it, and let's keep going.
1: See, you walked away, you hit the reset, you, hit, you refreshed, you got fresh eyes, and that's, that's awesome advice.
0: Yeah. That's great. So now I've got two companies and two children, because <laughs> Casey's my other child.
1: I love that story. I love that story so much. Um, I guess, uh, what advice, would you have to people who um, feel stuck? You know, sometimes you get into a rut, a rut that you can't get out of. And we talked about maybe walking away, getting massage. um, And that's, that's awesome. But like sometimes, you know, we don't know when to cut bait on something. You were debating whether to sell your company or transition or what to do with it. Like how long do you give that with quotes, great idea, until you give up on it? Like maybe it's not working, maybe you're not getting the feedback you're looking for. I mean, I feel like sometimes great people quit great things too soon, or um, not so great people keep doing them too long. How do you know like, how how and when to stop?
0: Well, I think there's two things. One is the emotional part of it, and one is the financial part of it. Emotionally, if it's killing you, maybe it's time to end it. However, there's also the financial part of it. Finn was killing me a little bit inside, but it was profitable and I didn't have another plan. So it wouldn't have been wise to just shut down a profitable business with employees and rent paid and Barney is carrying, like I had these assets that people strive for, that work their asses off for. So it would be irresponsible to shut it down without something else, right? But, so that's the two things you have to decide. But like if it really was so, so, so bad, that the financial part just didn't matter anymore, that I was like miserable walking into the office every day and like, wanted to slice my eyeballs out every time I saw the Finn logo, then I would have had to really been like, make a plan with steps on how to stop, how to end this and segue into something else. But you have to have something else. You can't just be like, I can't do it, I give up, and stomp your foot and then be like, something else will come my way. Like You had the first thing because you had a plan, so what's the next thing? It's okay and it's always fine to like give up on an idea. I mean, within my companies I give up on ideas all the time. I have probably made over 200 pieces of jewelry. There's not 200 pieces of jewelry on my site. There's probably 40% of what I've ever made has been cut and scrapped and sold for gold like because it, it was that per- that design failed. What are you going to do? Now I need a next one.
1: You're a growing company. You're starting to add a team, I would think, a bigger squad. Um, how, are you, how are you picking your team? Are you picking on skill, uh, culture, fit, personality? How do you find and keep good people?
0: It's really hard. <laughs> um,
1: so, Especially if you're the visionary, right? Like you've got the vision and...
0: It has to, the thing is that I do have the vision and it has to be somebody that agrees with the vision. Everything else I can teach. Um, if there's somebody everything that I don't have ex- Okay, if I if I reach a point where I don't know how to do something like build a website That's when I outsource right so I go to an expert for that I go to an expert for Big diamonds or if I don't know anything about rubies. I go to an expert. I'm not gonna hire a GIA Graduate just to help me with diamonds. I don't need that like I can outsource anything that I need like that What I need here is my structure and my support team. I need someone that is going to laugh at my jokes when I'm here. Someone that will have a glass of wine with me after. It's super cultural is what I'm getting at. Like here we have to connect. And the girls that work for me that stay around a long time are the ones that are like, Casey calls them the girls I pay to be my friends. He's like, are you going to dinner with those girls you pay to be your friends? And I'm like, yeah, I am. Because we hash hash out ideas together. They implement the ideas for me. Um, I respect their opinion.
1: I was gonna say, do you do you? You probably don't have a lot of yes women or yes people around you, right?
0: No. And if any of them, if I get the feeling that they're just saying yes just to be nice, I will call them out on it. Like, tell me what you really think right now, and then they'll tell me what they really think. But they're like my they're like my girls here. They're like my nieces, or like because I'm so old, I can't be their sister. Um, they're just good people that have my back. Um, we had a girl here. Actually, we're growing, and I had another girl here, and she lasted about a month, and she um, she quit, and I was like, guys, she quit. And then the next hour, we we're like, I'm so glad she's gone. <laughs> she just, she just didn't click. Yeah. But she didn't get our senses of humor. I don't know. It's like a sorority in here, so if you don't fit in, you're not going to like it.
1: I think that's across the board. That's how people are hiring. They're hiring on the soft skills or what people, you know, personality, you know, integrity, sense of humor.
0: Integrity is huge. Like I need someone I can trust. I need someone that's going to be there for me, that's happy to come into work, that's happy to stay a half hour later, that I can text a funny joke on the weekend and they're not like, why the fuck is my boss texting me? You know, that's important. And you know what? It's my fucking choice. Excuse my language. It's my choice. I decide who I hire and I want to hire my friends.
1: Final thoughts. Um, what would you, you know, 2017, what would you tell 18 year old Candace Poole um, in 2017, you know, maybe just coming out of college, but heading into this workforce? You know, a lot of the, a lot of the younger generation, um, they're super sharp on top of it. And, you know, they're crushing, but some of them are still confused about how to do this adulting, how to do this business thing. Um, what advice would you give her?
0: Well I think there's two jobs that everyone should have in life before they do anything. One is in the service industry and another would be as a receptionist or an office manager. Um, I wouldn't say you're going to graduate from college and get the job of your dreams. You need to learn how to stuff paper in a printer and you need to learn the numbers for, for like DHL and FedEx and you need to learn how to be nice to people like for tips. That's it. You can't jump out of college no matter what your degree and expect to succeed at whatever you do. Unless you code, I think, because people need coders. But yeah, you gotta, you have to work. (laughs) It takes work and practice. And if you can't get the job you want, get the job you can get. That's it. And try again later. I don't know. These kids these days, scared of work.